So at this time, we'll have our second message for the day by Pastor Gregory. And the title disappeared. I was going to say it. I was going to mention while we're uh, settling in that uh, you might have noticed our new sign that is up that was blown away in the July storm. Uh, $6,000, our church mutual insurance pays uh, the balance except for our $1,000 deductible. So we got a $6,000 sign out front, illuminated, electric, for basically $1,000 of our insurance money. So we uh, appreciate that, that that will be there from now on, hopefully, for many years. An illuminated sign. little landscaping we need to finish on it, but... Uh, if you haven't seen it when you came in today, maybe you can look at it as you leave. In our last Bible study, as we were going through the study in the book of Acts, a question came up about the conversion of the Gentiles and uh, scripture records that's indicated uh, as to when and how that would take place and when it would occur. The lack of understanding by many people in the world has caused confusion. And in the early Church of God even, it took a number of years for that concept to be accepted to where Gentiles were accepted in the church. In fact, during the first early uh, part of the Church of God, the majority of the congregations were Gentile with some Jewish rather than just mostly Jewish. So. It took time for the development, uh, for the acceptance of the Gentiles to be accepted in the church. And that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, some uh, New Testament scriptures and some Old Testament scriptures. We can't obviously cover all of them because some have to do with the timing of different phases of the conduct over the years of uh, some of the righteous saints of God with the Gentiles, even like Jesus, who during his ministry had some contact with uh, Greeks and Gentiles, performed healings and miracles. In the early days, some of the disciples uh, had uh, contact with some of the uh, Jewish, uh, 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 pardon me, Gentile uh, individuals that had uh, contact with the Church of God. But by the uh, 41 AD, by about 10 years after Pentecost, we're going to see some references that involve Peter and Paul's ministry. And like I said, as you study in the book of Acts, you'll see a lot of different individuals that God was using reaching out to them. So this was a work in progress. But caused um, a lot of um, impact and confusion and disruption in the church of God as Gentiles were being converted. So you can understand if they felt they were an elite uh, national people and then saw uh, heathens coming in, that was a concern to some. Okay, uh, we were studying in the book of Acts chapter 10 and 11, and just let me paraphrase a little bit and we'll look at a few references here, of um, Peter... Uh, this is in about 41 A.D., and uh, God had uh, sent and opened and began to work with uh, some Gentiles uh, under Cornelius, uh, who was a centurion of the Italian band of the Roman Empire. And uh, they were told to uh, send to Peter for uh, more instruction. So Peter was on the rooftop praying, 
And uh, he had this vision of a sheet left down with all kinds of animals in it, uh, clean and unclean, and uh, he was told to kill and eat, and he wouldn't do it. He refused to do so because um, he, uh, being a Jew and devout, he wouldn't eat anything unclean or ceremonially defiled. So as he was thinking about this, because it was a vision from God, he was wondering about this. So three, this happened three times, this vision occurred three times. So while he was thinking about this, three Gentile individuals came to him and said, hey, come to Cornelius with us and tell us about the Word of God. And so as he was leaving, then he understood some of the things that we'll see here in Acts the 10th chapter, verse 14 and 15, just break into this. Uh, Peter first, when he saw the uh, sheet of animals, said, uh, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God has cleansed, that call thou not uh, common. This is very important. So the answer was, What God has cleansed, don't you call common or unclean. And then in uh, verse 28, And he said unto them, You know how that it is unlawful for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So he began to understand the interpretation of why God was showing that vision to him. And we talked about Peter and his attitude, but uh, it was important uh, for him to get the message that, uh, you know, this was a metaphor of applying toward men and, and unclean, what they considered unclean men. Then in verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Lord of all. And so he went more. But now Peter was understanding. And this phrase that God is no respecter of person occurs throughout the Bible. So it gives us a better understanding of God that he doesn't, he's not a respecter of persons. And so Peter now was understanding what the meaning of this vision was as he went to Cornelius and preached to them. And uh, as a result, there were conversions that took place and they were beginning to be accepted. Now let's skip up a little bit here to Acts, the 14th chapter and verse 27. What, what I'm going to do is just hit on a few verses throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament because there's so many, but help us to appreciate what God was doing because you can imagine this was a major impact and a major change in what was now, they thought maybe early was a sect of Judaism, but God is showing that it, this is not a sect of Judaism. This is totally something separate. It's not a uh, sect of uh, the heathen or the uh, Gentiles or the pagans or people non-Jewish. This is totally something new, a third thing that is happening, the body of Christ, the church of God. It's a new thing that's happening, and you can imagine they had some adjustment to uh, what was happening here. In the 14th chapter, verse 27, just one verse, and when they were come, this is they, this is uh, Paul and Barnabas, who were traveling and they were giving report to the different congregations of what God was doing in the uh, church of God. And when they were come, this was to Antioch, into Syria, north of Jerusalem, 
and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Now, this is a number of years later after 40. This is about 46 A.D. This is about midway between uh, 41 A.D. and the Jerusalem Conference in 51 A.D. We'll talk about that a little later. So, uh, there they abode long time with the disciples. They stayed about five years, from about 46. Now they're getting up to close to 51 A.D. In uh, Acts, the 15th chapter, verse 1, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. So already here, now 20 years after Pentecost, you can imagine the, the Jerusalem congregation, uh, because the elders and many of the ministers were spreading out all over the nations. As, Paul, as Jesus had told them, go to all nations. We'll talk about that. The commission, the great commission, we know that. Go to all nations and convert them. So they were spreading out. And brethren, because of persecution, we remember as you go through the earlier chapters of uh, the book of Acts, you'll see because of persecution, they spread out among and they went out. And so those that stayed uh, in the congregation there in Jerusalem, they still had problems about what they were hearing. And teachers were coming from Jerusalem out to these outlying churches to say, that can't happen. You've got to be circumcised. You can't be uh, just letting uh, Gentiles come into the church uncircumcised. Now, in verse uh, 6, And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. So Paul went up. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles, by my mouth, should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you tempt God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. <coughs> now, Peter was used mightily of God to open the way, and the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit fell upon them there uh, ten years prior to that with Cornelius, and they were evidenced of speaking in languages that they had received just as they did, the Holy Spirit, just as they did on Pentecost to those converts that were there from all nations, largely Jews. Now, uh, carrying on here, in, let's go to Galatians. We're going to read some of the, uh, a few of the writings of the Apostle Paul. If I can turn there. I put some little markers to kind of help me get there a little quicker, maybe. Uh, let's see if Brian can get ahead of me. Uh, Galatians, the third chapter, verse uh, 13 and 14. I'm just going to break into it. Like I said, there are a number of these scriptures, but uh, let's see. Paul wrote, you know, 14 books of the Bible, and many of those were to... Gentile congregations and converts during those first 30 years, 35 years of his ministry. Uh, Galatians 3, 13, 14, breaking in. Christ has redeemed us 
from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And he took the curse on us of death, the curse. When you break the law, you come under a curse. He took that upon himself for us, Jew and Gentile. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. But we don't have to hang on that tree and suffer that death for our sins because Christ did it for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so faith and belief in Jesus and what he did, the atonement process, we all can come together and be a part of the church of God. In Ephesians, the third chapter. And uh, verse 1 through 6 and 8 through 10. Ephesians, Ephesians, the third chapter. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, back in Acts the ninth chapter in Paul's conversion, uh, we see when God struck him down and talked to him, you know, he heard the voice and heard uh, and saw the vision. The others around, they just heard a voice, but they didn't see what he was telling. God told him, you're going to go to kings and to rulers and to Gentiles, and you're going to suffer a lot of things for my name's sake. But he commissioned Paul, who went most, much of his ministry, to the Gentiles, writing letters, traveling throughout uh, the uh, uh, European and um, Asian, a part of the Asian world, preaching the gospel. Here, uh, let me see... Uh, Complete this, uh, verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy prophets, holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof he was made a minister according to the grace of God. And so... There are indications. Now, we'll look at the Old Testament scriptures and some indications, but it took the revelation of God to understand this mystery of the timing of the phases. Uh, just say briefly here, we'll, we'll look at this a little later, but I'll, I'll say it now. We can see as God working and extending the uh, call and the conversion and accepting them into this new body of Christ, into the church of God, uh, that... He is doing this in phases. First, he had some introduction. There's always been some contact in past uh, Old Testament times, even in Jesus, even in his life, in the early days of the church, with certain Gentiles. Now he's doing it after Christ, after his first coming, after Pentecost, after these uh, occurrences in 41 AD major and 51 AD, the Jerusalem conference, opening up in mass for the next couple of thousand years. Then when Christ returns, as other prophets and, and like Joel and other show when Christ really begins to work with the nations and bring them into and work with them and then the millennium and the great white throne judgment until it's all wrapped up until all nations 
through Abraham, as we're going to see, are able to participate in this promise. We don't become Jews. We're not a synagogue here. We're not Jews. We're Christians. We're followers of Christ. We're uh, a body of Jesus Christ. Not Jewish, not Gentile. Accumulation of both of them. A new thing, the church of God. And uh, now continuing on in verse 8 and 10, while we're here. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known or revealed or shown or uh, expressed by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Do you know what's happening in the church of God for these couple of thousand years? And as God works through the body of the church of God, then the angels in the spiritual uh, world is beginning to understand the marvelous wisdom of God, how he has chosen to work through the nations. You know, uh, when he created uh, the human race from Adam, he set a plan on how he was going to work through uh, different individuals, basically through one man's family, from Adam through Seth down to Abraham and Noah, uh, Abra uh, uh, to Isaac, Jacob, down to Jesus Christ, down through us as we're included in that, as God works through us. I was, um, this week had to take a, a lady up into the cemetery to be at a funeral service. And uh, while she was riding with me in the car, she was telling me that some of her maiden family had, uh, she saw that were, had burials there. She didn't know if they were relatives or not. And I told her, yes, uh, I said, uh, one time I looked at my genealogy, and I go all the way back to Noah. And uh, I've told this one before to other people, and she said, uh, oh, yeah? And I said, yeah, and I even searched a little further, and my genealogy goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Then she got it. She began to laugh, and I said, you can tell your husband that. Oh, she said, he'll be ahead of me. He'll understand that before I did. <laughs> And I had to explain a little bit. You know, we all go back to Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, those sons back through the flood. We all go, we're either descendants of Shem, Ham, or Japheth. Isn't that right? Human blood, of one blood. All the way back to Adam and Eve. So we have a commonality. There's different nations, uh, nationalities and ethnic, I guess, origins. Uh, I, I like to say uh, we're not races. We're one race. We're one human race but we're of different ethnicity. We're of different family strains, strains. You know, some Indian, some Japanese, some Chinese, uh, you know, some Anglo-Saxon, American, Israelites. Uh, Americans can be of many different uh, ethnicities. Um, okay, uh, back to uh, Ephesians, the second chapter here, a few verses. In uh, the 11th verse of chapter 2. Wherefore, remember that you being in times past. Now remember, he's writing to Gentiles, to the Ephesians. In times past, Gentiles in the flesh, 
who are called uncircumcision by that which is called a circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were far off, are made near by the blood of Christ. And so, uh, skip on up to uh, 18 and uh, through 18 and verse 19. And he talks about the middle wall, a partition that separated the Jew and Gentiles, and came and preached, Peace to you which were afar off, and to them which were near. For through him we believe, we both, pardon me, have access by one spirit with the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And he goes on more, uh, we'll leave that, but... Jew and Gentile. Now, in the um, Hebrew and the Greek, let me look here. In the Hebrew, uh, the word for heathen, nations, people, Gentile, the major majority of those references are the word goyu, or goyim, they call it goyu, which means nation, people, heathen is translated. Gentile, a foreign nation. And a couple of times the word am for people. And the one time I did some research, and I, I didn't spend all this, America, the people of God, the great people, America. Uh, so you can do some research on that. But in the New Testament then, in the word for people, heathen, Gentile, the majority of those references are the word ethnos. And sometimes, a few times, it's the word Helen, or Hellenistic, or the, we know the Hellens, Hellenistics were references to the Greeks or the Jews who were Gentiles, who were not. When we say Gentile, sometimes when you do research, you'll see that sometimes Judah and Israel are called Gentile when it's a reference to a nation. So the word is used as a nation. So the Jews can be Gentiles, if you follow my statement. They can be a people, they can be a Gentile, but they are not heathen. They were, uh, God was working through them basically, and then he had a plan on how, over a period of time, he was going to reach out in phases and advance and bring in individually first Gentiles into the church, then in mass all nations. And we'll, we'll see that as we progress here. Now, uh, let's go on to the next. Uh, we just have uh, a couple of uh, references here in um, New Testament left. Back to Galatians, the third chapter. And uh, verse 7 and 9. Galatians 3, 7 and 9. 7 through 9. Know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying... In thee shall all nations be blessed. So that they which be of Abraham, or faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And he goes on more showing that. But we see here that through Abraham, the promise was that all nations would be blessed. Well, how can they become the descendants and the children of Abraham? Romans, the second 
chapter, verse 9. And uh, tribulation and anguish troubles upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile. So everybody's got problems. Everybody's got concerns. Uh, just this week, I had several people telling me of their concerns and their problems and calling in and, and, and talking about things that uh, aren't going right in their life and, and difficulties that uh, they are experiencing. So we know we all suffer that, and especially, like we talked about in the announcements, it just, oh, it just troubles me sometimes to think of people who have lost their whole house, burned down, like I said, in a fire or a hurricane or typhoon or something where they just just wiped out. All they have is clothes on their back, maybe that they've had to get from a, a welfare assistant program, some, some agency or family or friends, and just nothing. What a devastation. What a difficult time to experience. And so we all have these problems and trials and tests, uh, but God intended, as he worked through the nation from individual men down through and through the nation of Jew, a Jewish nation and Israel nation, to begin to reach out to those outside of that context. Uh, Acts, the ninth chapter back there, Acts 9, 15, uh, yeah, Bar uh, Brian, I changed uh, some notes and put some arrows and things, so he's, he's following me. He's ahead of me. I mean, appreciate what you're doing. A little confusing sometimes. Acts, the ninth chapter, verse 15, one verse here. But I have uh, used, no, that's in Corinthians, excuse me. Acts, how'd I get way over there? Acts. 9 verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go your way. This is Paul's conversion. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And I told you that before. Then back to Colossians. The first chapter, a couple of verses there. Verse uh, 26 and uh, 27. I probably could just look up on the screen there and not have to look at my notes. Excuse me for talking to myself. I, I shouldn't do that. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, every man, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And there's more. So this is, this is a mystery to some folks. Not a secret, but a mystery. But it's a mystery that has to be revealed and explained. And you would think that uh, some of these uh, apostles who were very uh, well converted and knowledgeable of the scriptures and understood and had a God's Holy Spirit, it took them sometimes, 
years and years to fully understand what God was doing in the church, opening it up to uh, non-Jewish individuals. Romans, the ninth chapter. Verse 23 through 33. There's 10 verses here. Verse 23, chapter 9. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he has afore prepared unto glory. Even us, whom he has called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he said also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and had been likened to Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling block. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed or confounded or confused. So those of us who believe in Jesus Christ and understand Jesus Christ and what God is doing, we're not confused. We accept this. We're not confounded. You know, many people who don't, who have another religion or another ideology, uh, you know, the church of God is different. We're not a militaristic church. Many of the churches, the major churches of the world are militaristic. That means they believe in taking the sword and the scimitar and forcing everybody, you either do this or cut your head off or take it from you. The church of God is not that way. Whosoever will may come. You can go, uh, you can walk out of the door and leave this congregation and leave the church of God. You have free will. You can do that if you want. Uh, I don't recommend it. <laughs> because you better be looking over your shoulder. And especially down the road when a person has to stand and give an account of their life to God, they're going to have to say what they did with what they were given and how they appreciated and respected the church of God in the body and the calling and the conversion of God. You can't just turn your back and walk away in and in a little bit temporary. It's the overcomers, those who endure, those who believe, those who have faith are the ones that are saved. We stop believing, we stop obeying, we stop acting, we still go back into the world. Uh, salvation is questionable. And another thing, the judgment and discipline of God, you're going to have to be looking over your shoulder, like I said, because a person that is once a believer, and God, you know, has called him and worked with him, and he decides really to put the screws on a person, he, he can make it tough on a person. So, uh, I think that's, that's enough of that to give us a little fear. 
I hope I'm injecting a little fear today and a little caution. Not terror, not to be afraid, but fear, which God decides, uh, uh, explains, is respect, holy respect and awe. We have respect and awe toward God and His way and His word and what He's doing in our life. We respect that. We don't live in terror or fear or dread, but we live in respect in a, in a godly uh, fear. Okay, now, um, let's, uh, let's go on to uh, the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, I have a few more references here, but um, we'll, we'll just leave that and go to the, New the Old Testament. And I want to go back to the 12th chapter of Genesis. Back to the God's instruction to Abraham. First three verses here, chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now Abraham, he's interesting. I won't go into because we've talked about Abraham before. You know, he really didn't obey God at the beginning. God said, you leave your family, leave your home, go there. He didn't. He waited until he went with his father. He waited until his father died. Then he took Lot with him and got into trouble. And, you know, Abraham wasn't perfect in his walk with God in those early years. But ultimately and eventually, God decided he was going to work through Abraham and work with him, help him understand. And he had to really work with Abraham because Abraham made some mistakes and things in his life and we won't, we won't go there. But God was determined that this was how he was going to do that. In all the nations of the earth would be blessed in Abraham. Go to the 22nd chapter of uh, Genesis. And uh, verse 18. And he's talking here again about because Abraham obeyed him. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. In your seed shall all the nations, in your descendants. But not only that, but Paul explains later that when he's talking here, he's talking about Jesus Christ. In your seed, in your descendant, down in the future, shall all nations be blessed. We're not blessed just necessarily through other individuals, but through Jesus Christ, who has brought Abraham's descendants other nations together through his body, through the church of God. So that's how we receive those uh, blessings. Uh, Genesis, the 49th chapter. And verse 10. These are blessings of Jacob on his uh, sons and, and descendants. So uh, we just want to go down to um, verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him, that is unto Shiloh, 
shall the gathering of the people, not just the tribe, not just the descendants, but the people be. So here again is a prophecy that was a mystery that they didn't fully understand. They read that and they had that and they speculated probably about it. But Shiloh means uh, peaceful or uh, uh, it's a reference to a messianic reference to Jesus Christ, to the individual, to the person, not to Judah because Judah's dead. He can't, he's, he's been dead in his grave for, uh, oh, let's say, uh, 36, almost 3,700 years that he's been dead. He, he, Judah can't do anything. But Jesus Christ is alive now and he can transfer, transfer those blessings unto us and the gathering of all the people unto Jesus Christ. Isaiah. Let's go to a number of references in the book of Isaiah. The second chapter. And verse 2. Isaiah, the second chapter, verse 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Now, we have to look at the context and understand there's references to the last days. Sometimes those references are to our time, which is just approaching the return of Christ. Other times, therefore, other times of great uh, involvement of God in the plan and purpose that he's working out here. So, this is uh, uh, predictive of the, uh, our time just ahead after Christ returns, a millennial time that's ahead of us. It'll come to pass that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established. We've, we've explained these verses before, so just going to go through them real quickly. In the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. All nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye! Go ahead and invite out. We have the responsibility. They come to their other national ethnic uh, brothers and sisters. Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into printing hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, any, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's a wonderful time ahead when there's going to be peace and get rid of all this war and, and fear and terror that's going on. Even in current times, there's just, there's so much going on in the world. Uh, if you watch the news, you just want to turn it off after a while because it seems like it's all bad. But it's getting worse and we know that it's going to get worse. Isaiah the 11th chapter, another messianic uh, prophecy here of uh, verse uh, 10 and 11. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign, a flag, a, an emblem, like, like back behind me here, of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest, his rest, shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shiner and from uh, Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So God is not going to leave off. He's not neglected. Uh, Judah and Israel totally. He's still working through them as nations. But now 
God is really working through the church of God. We've got to see that, what he's doing. And I've told you this before, brethren, and I hope you understand uh, what uh, the congregation, the Tulsa congregation here, uh, our funds that are contributed in the box over here, we take 10% of that to sponsor to uh, monthly to the outreach of the Church of God Outreach Ministries. And that ministry is reaching out in direct mail, as I've said this before, to over 100 countries beyond America. Over 100 countries. Not, uh, not counting the work that we're doing through the Internet and through people around the world that can, are tuning in. Some people tell us in, in, up in Canada and other nations that tune in to our Sabbath services here and watch us. So God is doing through the church a mighty work. But see, much of the world, they don't understand, they don't appreciate. They're just looking at the nations and what's happening in current events with China and Korea and America and Syria and Egypt and um, all, of, all of the chaos and confusion that's going on in the world. God is still working through Israel and Judah, but also through the church of God. And he has a big, mighty plan. You know, we understand, I'm just going to say, we understand what God is doing, his plan and his purpose, through the full round of the holy days. If people do not understand the holy days, they cannot understand the plan and the purpose of God and what he's doing. From the full cycle of the holy days that go throughout the year, we have an understanding of what God is doing over thousands of years and what he is doing in the past, presently, and what he will do in the future. That's a wonderful revelation and a mystery that has been revealed and given to us, the church of God. You know, the average man on the street, he doesn't know that. He doesn't understand that. He has no hope. He has no, the nations of the Gentiles, just like we read, they didn't have any hope because they didn't understand God's time frame. But a few did, a few individuals, down through the scriptures, the history and, and things we have, they know that uh, a few of them understood. Isaiah, let me, let me complete this. Uh, oh, I, I did it already. Go on to Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. And uh, verse 1, 6, and 8, Isaiah 42. Hey, he's fast. But Brian. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my elect, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice uh, to hurt. Let's see, maybe I can amend this a little bit and uh, skip down to um, um, verse, yeah, verse 6. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand and will keep you and give you for a covenant to the people for a light of the Gentiles. In verse 8, I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. You've heard me say this, the scriptures and Acts say, there's no other name given under heaven whereby men may be saved but Jesus Christ. He is the light. He is the light to the Gentile nations, to all nations. He is the light. Isaiah uh, 49, 6. And he said, it is a light thing that you should... Be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give you for a light to the Gentiles that you may be my salvation unto the end of the earth. 54, Isaiah 54. 
3. For you shall break forth on thy right hand and on thy left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Uh, there's several verses there that need to be explained and shows the growth and expansion of the church of God and the strength of this uh, prediction of what is going to be the growth of the church of God. Isaiah. Got a number of verses here real quick. Isaiah 60, 1 through... Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse 2. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall raise, arise upon you, and His glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up your eyes round about us. See, all they gather themselves together, they come to thee. Thy sons shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Then shall you see and flow together, and your heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted into thee, and the forces, the wealth, the power of the Gentiles shall come unto you. The multitude of camels shall cover you, the dromedaries of Midian, the ephah, all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord in a future predictive time when the uh, Gentiles and they will be coming into the temple and into the worship there of the kingdom of God. I'm going to have to uh, leave off a number of uh, other uh, chapter references that I had, a number in Isaiah and Haggai. And uh, let me just go in closing, because uh, I see the song leader standing back there at the back ready to come up here. And, uh, oh, it's your back hurting? Oh, <laughs> oh, I mean, I can go on then and continue. <laughs> No, we'll just go. Uh, I've said it up. You, you get the point of what I'm saying. Let's go to uh, Matthew, the 28th chapter. Uh, Brian, we'll just skip those verses and go up to the concluding instruction to all of us, to the church of God. Matthew 28. This is what Jesus said. And um, it took them a while in that early church to, uh, to get this point. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, in heaven and in earth. All power. We can't even conceive of that. Go you therefore. Well, I mean, I can't. Maybe you can. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to say you could. Isn't that upsetting when people say, I'm the greatest or I'm the best or nobody, nobody loves you more than I do. Or the, you hear a politician talking about nobody, nobody cares about America more than I do, or whatever. You think, oh, you know everybody? You know all their heart? You know all their attitude? That's just a little pet peeve. Okay. But here, you may really understand better than I do what this all power is given unto him in heaven and earth. Go you, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things Whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Now, in closing, uh, let me uh, read a few things here and then we will close. Uh, hope you understand. Because of time constraints, I left a lot of references, a lot of scriptures out, and cut short even some of the things that I had in notes here because I don't want to keep you, but just another couple of minutes here. Let me say this in closing. 
Only the saints of the church of God understand the conversion of the Gentiles and what God is doing in that aspect. As it occurs in several phases, God, God multiplied the development of the human race over the last 6,000 years through various nations. God chose to work in a special way through all one man's family of descendants from Adam, Seth, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Jewish tribe and Israel tribes down to Jesus. First, it was a physical and spiritual relationship to those men and their descendants of tribes or nations. Since Jesus, he is working in a spiritual and physical way through the church of God, which includes both Jew and Gentile. These individuals have equal blessings for salvation. Fellow heirs, equal. Paul stressed that. Many verses showing that. There's no superiority between uh, uh, the Jew over the Gentile. They're equal, sharing in those promises of, and to Abraham. Uh, the next 1,100 years, after his return, as Joel says, during the millennium, and then the, uh, for a 1,000 years, and then the great white throne judgment of the second resurrection, he'll work with all the nations for righteousness. He'll pour out his spirit on all nations. He's broken down that middle wall of barrier, but he's, he's doing it progressively and slowly. Now, we welcome and rejoice at this plan of God. As shown to us by the scriptures, as I've said, in the full cycle of the annual biblical holy days. Scripture tells us, whosoever will may come of all nations. If they believe in Jesus Christ, if they're converted, if they remain faithful to the end, they will be saved. That, in a nutshell, briefly, is a little bit about the conversion of the Gentiles. 